Satnam, I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusing.com. Bless you. Mm, Satnam. So let's imagine. Let's imagine that we've got it all under control. <laughs> so let's imagine that um, we're not who we are, but we are who we are. So we're not uh, 21st century Vancouverians. And by the way, I'm a Canarian because I'm married to a Canadian. My, uh, my Canna side of my Erican is more my favorite side, actually. Because as you well know, what's going on south of the border is just nuts. The fact that there are borders is nuts. The mantra that we're going to start with before we tune in Ad Jagad Satguru Namay Siri Guru Devay Namay So you don't get any rest in that mantra, right? How are we doing? It's nice to have feedback though. <laughs> Otherwise you don't know what you're doing, you know. I got good ain't a man. Sat good ain't a man. Siri guru God good ain't a man. Sat good ain't a man. Siri guru dev ain't a man. Odd good ain't a man. You got good ain't a man. Sat good ain't a man. Siri guru Excellent. Okay. Now I want you to take yourself from whatever age you are. down to, what would you be, what age would you be if you're doing hopscotch? 
I mean, and really enjoying it. Six, seven, I hear. Yeah. Okay, let's just imagine that we're six and seven, and um, we're sitting out there with our friends, and we've just discovered these new sounds and syllables. If we take some of the bass out of my voice, because my voice after men's camp has enough bass in it at all, <laughs> that might reduce the feedback to just the positive feedback, right? So we're six or seven years old. We're on the, we're on the playground. When you're four, five, six, seven years old, you're both angry as a firecracker and happy as a lark. Hmm? You're just, you're all of these emotions that are really developing in your system. And they're extreme, and you've gotten no feedback <laughs> um, that says they're wrong. You know, your parents are really cool. They're conscious. They're allowing you to explore your emotional body so that you can grow up as a full human, hmm? a being with a light in the mind. And so... You're there on the playground, and you've just discovered this ditty, right? This, these sounds and syllables, and you're going, you know, Ah, good ain't a may, you got good ain't a may, sat good ain't a may, city guru deve na me, and you're just so proud of yourself. Can we get there? Yes. Can we get there? Yes. Yeah. I like it. And get crazy. No, I have to, based on that tuning in, I have to really admire you and the ones who run this studio because there's only one other place that I've heard tuning in that was as innocent uh, as that, and that's at Midipiti Academy, in our school in India, where the children are from the ages of 8 to 18, and they're like, <laughs> you did this thing at the end of our, Siri Guru Deve Name, that's, that's an additional piece, that Ana, that is so innocent, that is so beautiful. Plus, your voices are like, like linking together and syncing together. It's, you are beautiful. Give yourselves a hand. That's my OCA. Obsessive compulsive advantage. So don't ever think that it's a disorder if anyone... And dyslexia and ADD... They're not disorders, they're just additional orders for the new evolution. The dyslexia, by the way, which almost every yogi and every creative genius is, is um, the creative side of the brain rebelling against the overemphasis by society to the logical side of the brain. Um, and the creative side of your brain is, is acting and reacting and going, me too, what about me, what about me, what about me, you know? And it distorts things, which is a good thing, because the illusion has been prescribed and it's not what it's prescribed as, it's whatever you make of it. So, 
In the new evolution, there's been many sublimation points. A sublimation point is like when water turns into steam. It takes one calorie of heat to raise one gram of water, one degree Celsius. One calorie of heat raises one gram of water, one degree Celsius. And that's all the way up to 99 degrees Celsius. To get water from 99 degrees Celsius to 100 degrees Celsius, where it turns into steam, it takes 584 calories of heat. 584 times the amount of heat that was taken to raise that one degree. So that last degree between 99 and 100 takes 584 times the amount of heat that every other degree took. But it turns it into a different substance. It turns it from a liquid into a gas. And what happens when it goes from a liquid into a gas is that an entirely new set of rules applies to it. Gas rises, a liquid is drawn down by gravity. So they, they work in quite different ways. The new evolution is that, and that's called a sublimation point. The new evolution is a sublimation point. And if you're feeling at odds to what is taking place in the world right now, that means that you're that gram of water going through a sublimation and you're transforming into an entirely new structure. You appear to be a normal human. Well, no, you really don't. But anyway, <laughs> let's just say with two eyes and a nose and a mouth, you have the, you have the subtle appearance of being a human being. You know, the way that human beings are acting and reacting on Earth. But you're not even close. I mean, look at you. You know, you're not even close to being normal. Okay? You wouldn't be attracted to this room if you were normal. Right? Because normal in today's world is logical, which means it obeys laws, laws of behavior, laws of attitude, laws of thinking, laws of opinion. And I don't think that you have normal opinions. I don't think that your opinions or your attitudes or your behaviors are what are considered normal. You were probably considered quite abnormal throughout your life. Or if you were hiding it so well, you may not have been considered abnormal from the outside, but you, were you felt agonized on the inside anytime you were trying to fit in. Yogi Bhajan had a great saying, never try to fit in because you fit perfectly in you. Hmm? This new sublimation, this new evolution has taken place in similar formations many, many centuries ago, thousands, millennia ago, even hundreds of thousands of years ago, etc., etc. 125,000 years ago, we began to really develop the frontal lobe and language. And the word language means to gwedge, language, gwedge or gauge the length or depth of the communication. That's what language means. And so we began to form language out of what was known as utterance. And all syllables and sounds that are called mantras are pure utterance. They do not mean something. We've made up meanings to apply to them, but they do something. Every utterance of a sound and syllable in a mantric form, man means mind and tra means projection, every utterance of one of those sounds or syllables in a mantric form is doing something. 
right? It's having an effect upon your physical body, your emotional body, your mental body, and your spiritual connection. And so this new evolution is going to be emphasizing this. Different than other moments of evolution. So 125,000 years ago, we began to develop language. and what ha- Well, we began to develop it before that when we developed the use of fire. So usually there's an external and an internal component to a sublimation. So we develop something on the outside, which then tends to develop something on the inside. Now we're going to do it in the reverse. We're going to develop something on the inside that discovers something on the outside. And we've been through that before as well. So... 1.7 million years ago on this planet, because we've been incarnating on planets all over the cosmos, but 1.7 million years ago on this planet, in this go-around, there have been other go-arounds too on this planet, but we discovered the use of fire. And at that time, the most precious person in the clan was known as the fire keeper, because the fire keeper was the person that was courageous enough to run into a burning forest and pull a burning stick or log out of that forest and keep it burning and adding more to it and always keeping a glowing ember that was enough to start another fire because they couldn't figure out at that point how to start a fire. It's called a fire keeper. Not then, but we're calling it that now. So for a million years, the fire keeper was next to God, was the high priest of the clan. And this is before the development of language in a communicative way. There was language in an indicative way, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, uh." that was indicative language and communicative language was a little more sit down and chat about it, right? So this fire keeper was next to God, was the most important person in the clan until someone had noticed enough times where where rocks fell off other rocks and tumbled down a side of a cliff. And they noticed that when it struck another rock, it would send out sparks and that person passed it on to their children, passed it on to their children, and they had this epigenetic observation of those sparks look like the sparks that come out of fire. Let's see if we can reverse engineer that. Of course, they weren't thinking all these thoughts, but that's what they were doing. And so one, a few generations later, maybe 500 years later of observing this thing, started banging some rocks together and set the grasslands on fire, you know, and said, wow, we got something here. And so all of a sudden, there was a competition between the firekeeper and these upstarts like you, who were fire makers. And the fire keepers were trying to hold on to their, to their position of I- I- enormous importance in the clan. Because what are you if you're a fire keeper and you're saying, we will only live by what was and we're bringing what was into the present moment. It's what we call tradition. The sign language for how do you operate around really strict traditions is this. That's the signage for operating around really strict traditions. And it doesn't mean what we think it means. It's called, in yogic language, it's called the Saturn salute because that's your Saturn finger. It's the longest finger on your hand. It's the, ha- it's the finger on the hand that attracts 
the information that is going to allow you to go through your, cha your, your learning with challenge so that you're going to learn it through struggle, which is a very deep impression on your being. When you have to struggle to learn something, you hold it firm. When you learn something joyfully, you hold it lightly. And you need to have a balance between that which you learn joyfully, which is the Jupiter, the Jovian finger, joy, Jovian, hmm? and that which you learn with struggle, which is the Saturn finger. So that's what that is. And so all of a sudden we're developing this conflict 750,000 years ago where the lineages of, of a million years of fire keepers are being competed against by fire makers. These crazy Dharma temple people <laughs> walking around with these two pieces of rock going, let me show you. Right? I was a fire maker in the Copper Canyons of Mexico for the, for the community that I was living in for about 11 months. And we used a, a fire bow. And I had to build enough fire so that everyone in the community, there was about 300 people in the community, and there was probably out of 300 people in the community, there was probably like maybe 40 homes, huts. Hmm? So they would all come and get some of that to put in their oven, to put in their stove. It wasn't a stove, it was like, you know, like an earthen thing. So that that's how they would start their fires every morning. And I was the person that had to do it. And you had to start from grasses, dried grasses, to small twigs, to larger twigs, to pieces of sticks, to sticks, da, 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 and finally you got to logs. And that's how you built the morning fire. So these fire makers were talking about how they could do that. And these fire keepers who would just grab a big burning log said, that's fake fire. That's not real fire. It's like anything that you guys innovate you know, the traditions will say, that's sacrilege. That's not according to tradition. And then you have to deal with that. Well, the way the fire makers dealt with it is they set the forest on fire. Said, how's that for real fire? <laughs> that looks like the forest that you get those burning logs out of, yeah? So, I mean, that took a few generations to get that through. I mean, can you imagine how long evolution takes? What happened was, now, any place that they went, they could start a fire. And so for 700,000, 600, 500, 400, 300, 200,000 years, all of a sudden they could go anywhere, they could wander about, and they could go anywhere, and all of a sudden they were developing this new concept of community. Community on the move. To be able to find resources. And that was made possible by a previous position of sublimation, which was walking on all fours, living in the mangroves, all of a sudden people seven million years ago started to stand up. Well, the, the, the creatures that were eventually to become our creature, our instrument, began to stand up. Four million years it took them to remain standing. And once they remained standing, the eyes from being more side-oriented began to roll around to the front because we had added a new dimension. The third dimension appeared to us when we stood up. Because we didn't know what this was with our eyes like this. 
With our eyes like this, we saw this with one eye because we had to turn our head sideways to look out over the distance. But when you only have one eye looking out over a distance, you don't have depth perception. So we had two dimensions. And all of a sudden, we stood up and added a new dimension. And by the way, that was three and a half million years ago. And today, we're adding another dimension and another dimension and another dimension. And you feel these dimensions in your being. You don't know how to express them yet. You don't know how to define them yet, but you know that they're there. And those are the dimensions in which the answers and the solutions to our challenges of today exist. The answers and solutions, you know why they discovered, you know why they stood up seven and a half million years ago and it took four million years to master? Because they were running out of food. They were running out of food and they needed to introduce the third dimension so that they could walk out into the third dimension and then find more food. That's when migration started. Well, when you're walking out into the third dimension, you got to have something to go with you so the fire makers enabled the third dimension to be livable. So we have to understand that we're discovering a new dimension, a dimension that has always been there. The third dimension had always been there when it was a two-dimensional world, correct? And the fourth dimension is time. So we're talking about the fifth dimension here, sixth dimension, seventh dimension, eighth dimension, etc. And the sensory system that we have developed over these tens and hundreds and millions of years, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, the feeling, these are not senses that will serve us in the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth dimension. They serve us in the, second, the first, the second, the third, and the fourth dimension, but they're not going to serve us going forward as discoverable. So we're going to develop new senses. Those are the subtle senses. In Sanskrit, they're called rasa. It's what rasayana means. Satnam rasayana is just one form of a practice of that. How many of you have ever had a gut feeling? You knew something, but you had zero proof. You knew something had zero proof, and then it found, you found out it was true. In my teaching over the years, and this is for all of you that are teachers, in my teaching over the years, I have found that I have said things in class, and people come up to me afterwards and they said, you know what you said in class? And I'll say, no. Right? And they'll say, well, I think it was like this, and I don't recognize what they're saying. I'll go back and I'll listen to the recording. By the way, we're recording tonight, so we'll make that available. But I'll go back and I'll listen to the recording, and I'll hear something that I've said, and I'll say, how could I say that? I never, I never read it, I never heard it, I never knew it, I never did it. And it'll end up becoming true. And that's what you have to do to yourself to be a teacher and a master and all of those things. You have to trust your insanity. You really do. You have to trust your innovative capacity. One time Yogi Bhajan was about a year and a half from his dying. No, it was about four years from the time he passed. We were at a gathering and he was at one end of the room and I was at the other end of the room. He was talking to some people and I was talking to some people and he yells across the room, Hey Guru Singh! Because I, I was like his first. Hey Guru Singh! We had no idea what we were doing when we first started, did we? 
God, I whipped around, I looked at him, and I went, are you kidding me? I thought you did. And he goes, nah, we just tuned in. That was a teaching moment. That was a teaching moment. That gives you authority. That gives you permission, which is a permit for your mission. And your mission is you, unique to you, not the mission of anyone else. And only you can give yourself the permit for that mission. You can say, raise your right hand. I hereby do, I hereby do give myself, give myself permit, permit to perform, to perform my, mission. my mission. And once you give yourself the permit to perform your mission, your mission will appear to you. Prior to giving yourself that permit, your mission is invisible. Because if it came up, you wouldn't believe it. And it would be a wasted mission. Because once you don't believe something, that sticks. So the moment you give yourself the authority to be who you are, the purpose and the mission and all of those things that are going to accompany that authority begin to appear to you. So does this make nonsense? Huh? Does this make nonsense? Right? Because if we're just making sense, then we're just logical, you know, subjugated idiots. So 125, back to topic. 125,000 years ago, we really started to develop language in earnest because the way we were developing language was we were sitting in circles around the fires. And you know, you can just go with, uh, 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 so long before, you know, that gets a little boring, a little tiresome. And so we started to develop some sophistication. The vocal anatomy, the most sophisticated anatomy in your body is in two places, your small intestine, and your tongue, and they're connected. The tongue has 17 different muscle groups in it, every one of them wrapped in fascia, that netting. And every one of those wraps of fascia come down the sides of your throat and attach into your heart. So that this, this is being controlled by the puppeteer, the heart or it's being controlled by something else and you're out of your heart. And when you're out of your heart, you feel lonely. So you want to get back into being in a crowd? Just start speaking from your heart. Stop doubting. Stop questioning. Stop needing everything to go through your logical brain. Take your logical brain right now and set it aside and go, hmm, say it, hmm, hmm, because that's a heart sound. Mmm. Mmm. It's also a gut sound. So we want to develop the gut brain and the heart brain to match the head brain. Language has been developing the head brain. For 125,000 years, we've been expanding this head brain. And we're well beyond the shelf life. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Best to use by date? The best to use by date is really, and the product is rancid. And that's, the human product is rancid and that's what we're experiencing in the world. 
You experience it every time you cross a border. You experience it every time you turn on 24-hour news, if you ever do. You also experience it on social media. You experience that this, this species has expired and just doesn't know it yet because it's time for the new evolution. So 125,000 years we've been developing this head brain and the new evolution is to take the sophistication of that head brain and observe what is. And what is is that you don't have a body that you just have to feed and cart around in some fancy Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> to drive you to some fancy home so that you can eat some fancy meal so that you can do some fancy thing and then go to sleep and then wake up and then go back to doing it again and then go to sleep and then wake up and go back to doing it again and it is just nuts. We are so rancid that we are offending each other continuously. Rancidity offends. You know, mold on an apple. One bad apple spoils the... So, the new evolution is about gently letting go of the old pieces. And that's no crime to have a Tesla. I was driven to class tonight in a Tesla, just, by, just to let you know that that's why I picked on Jeremy. It is no crime to be wealthy. It is a crime to not know what to do with your wealth. That is going to make it better for everyone. So, the new evolution should have started a few thousand years ago. But what the new evolution is, is that because we are from older planetary systems, which if you look at it in the reverse engineering, it means that we're from the future. We're from planetary systems that are much older than this one. Therefore, we have, you know, iPhones are just ar archaeological relics. That we have this sophistication so that when we come to the planet Earth as the first responders to the crisis that is here on Earth, that we struggle to find out those old memories from way back that we will channel into our life if we give ourselves the permit for our mission. And once we give ourselves the permit, then our mission comes through, then we start to understand our past and we start to understand what we have to do for the Earth's future. Make sense? Make sense? About 500 years ago, five, six, seven hundred years ago, the earth was flat. The belief system was that the earth was flat. Was the earth round when the earth was flat? So our belief system didn't follow the what is. We had a belief system that limited our involvement in every moment of our life because it was a limitation, a differentiation from the what was. A couple of things occurred. 
some lens grinders that were the people that were making these new things called glass lenses in Holland suddenly discovered that if you put two lenses at distance from each other and could vary the distance, they realized that they could make very distant objects appear to be very clear. And the telescope was invented. A scientist named Galileo in Italy had heard about these lens crafters that were making eyeglasses and then had just, you know, just like the guy that figured out to rub two stones, to throw two, two stones together, you know, one of these lens crafters who was making eyeglasses just inadvertently went like this and went, whoa, that's how discovery is made, often by accident. Went, whoa, and then realized that it was kind of like wobbly, so he put a tube and put one here and one here, and then he realized, whoa, and then he realized that if he moved the tube and changed the distance between the two, that it could change the focus. And all of a sudden, already they knew the world was round, but Galileo was the first to determine that the world, that the planet Earth, wasn't the center of the solar system. Because Galileo was able to observe these distant conditions and recognize the fact that the Earth was amongst other planets that were actually rotating around the sun. The church did not like this. <laughs> and so the church told Galileo and his partner that if you don't retract this statement, that we will execute you. Because the planet Earth is the center of the universe. There's only one, and God made it. This man with a white beard <laughs> sitting in the sky made this sucker in six days and on the seventh day took a break. It's a perfect child story for the unevolved and children's stories, you've read children's stories. I'm reading them all the time now because we've got grandchildren. Children's stories are simplifications of the what is. Put in a vernacular, in a, in a language that children can understand. But they're not exactly real. Nor is all of these scriptures from all of the religions, the Sikhs included, the Muslims included, the Buddhists included, the this the Christians include everybody, all of it, is all included. But it's a perfect market, and I'm not objecting to the market, and I'm not ridiculing the marketplace, but it's not necessarily for you. It's for you to read to the children of the world, but it's not for you to consume yourself. What you need is some adult information that is far beyond any information that has ever been known. That's what you're here for. And so Galileo's going, well, I know that the earth is not the center, but we've got this tradition that is just not allowing us to, to you know, voice this opinion. And his lab partner said, I ain't going for that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not retracting my statement. And they burned him at the stake. Galileo looked at that event and went, 
That looks painful. He, he didn't say, I like this. <laughs> he said, I'm out of this. And he retracted his statement that it wasn't a geocentric universe. And they said, okay, well, you'll be under house arrest for the rest of your life. So Galileo spent the rest of his life confined to quarters. What did Galileo discover? Galileo discovered reality. It just wasn't the approved form of reality. And that's probably why you've been disapproved of for your whole life. <laughs> I know I've been. You know, the teachers used to send notes home. We can't get him to stop talking. My parents would send the notes back. We can't either. <laughs> and so there was, no, there was no wiggle room. I just thought school was the greatest place in the world because I figured out how to get A's in a heartbeat. And then I just go around and talk to my friends, you know, because it was like cool. You know, there was a room that they gathered all my friends and we had to spend all day together. They called me a troublemaker. Actually, I was a socialite. You know? Right? That's it. So the idea that we have this new evolution, what are we to discover? Well, the interesting thing about the new lenses is that they exist inside our physical body. Just like the lenses of the telescope existed within the eyeglass factory. Within our physical body, we have domes. And when our domes are aligned, we can actually see greater distances. Not with our two eyes, but with our third eye. And the domes of the human body are the pelvic floor, which is an inverted dome, the diaphragm, which is a flexible dome, the roof of your mouth, which is a fixed dome, but a vibrating dome, and you focus that vibrating dome by the words that you use, put your tongue up there. It's very tender. It's almost ticklish. You feel that? It's really, really sensitive. Those nerve endings that feel so sensitive and ticklish are absorbing the information from the words that you are saying and transmitting them to the hypothalamus gland in the limbic system and the endocrine system of your brain. That hypothalamus brand then, gland then puts that information into your bloodstream and it circulates it throughout the body. So if you're having a, a really bad day and you're saying really bad things with really bad tones and really bad attitudes, that's going into the glands and organs of your body and the glands and organs of your body are supporting your bad day in a bad way. But if you're having like, I like it, like the mantra, I like it, if you're having a bad day and you're putting high frequency words into your mouth, then all of a sudden the hypothalamus is conflicting with your day. And if you do it long enough, it's what Nam Simran is called, right? The repetition of mantra. Ah, good day, Namay. Jagad, good day, Namay. Sat Gure Name City Guru Deve Name You forgot your moves. <laughs> and those moves help to bring about all the alignments of your lenses, your, your domes. Then the upper dome is the crown of your head. And those domes align with the domes, the surface of the earth underneath your feet. And above your head is the Atmosphere, the atmosphere, the soul sphere, atma sphere. That's where the word comes from.
the stratosphere and the ionosphere. The ionosphere is the sphere that is exchanging ions in the, in the space beyond and the, and the ionosphere is exchanging these ions and anytime there's an ionic burst in the ionosphere it, re it, it signals a 50,000 times the heat of the surface of the sun a lightning bolt that comes down to the earth and that lightning bolt comes down to the earth and puts more electrons into the atmosphere because it's electricity electrons and those electrons in the atmosphere are what carry information and it's what we use as the what's called the global mind if you ever come up with a great idea you better act on it because somebody else will and you think that they've captured your opinion? No. They've captured the same opinion that you captured by putting together some electrons in the atmosphere hmm, and going for it and really ro rolling with it, right? The new evolution is taking this physical body on a three-dimensional level, putting it through four-dimensional or time-based sequences and then allowing it to align up like those two lenses so that you can see further with your third eye and everything that goes with it. Your third eye, your third ear, clairvoyant, third eye, clairaudient, third ear, clairsentient, that gut feeling which is activating the gut brain, right? Gut brain is clairsentience. The audio track is from the heart because the heart moves up through the throat into the eustachian tubes of the ear and into the inner ear which is listening to the subtle sounds of the, elect of the gathering of electrons. Hmm? So all of these things are working and by the, the clairvoyance goes into your head brain. So there's an intuition that goes into each of these things and that's activated when you align the lenses or the domes of your body. And Yogi Bhajan loved to play with words, and he called that free dome. <laughs> or, yeah, right. That's why I always reference him, because I don't want to make it sound like I came up with that. Because when he, when he made up the name 3HO as Healthy, Happy, Holy, I went up to him and I told him, Sir, that's a really stupid name. And he didn't listen. So we get into this... We get into this thing whereby we are working with our domes or our lenses and we're working with the subtle energies coming up through the earth, right? Up from the earth and we're moving it into the pelvic bowl. Well, the pelvic bowl is your purpose. Every single body part holds a particular peptide and that particular peptide, peptide hormone will then determine what it is that you're going to activate by activating or aligning or focusing that body part. You've all heard about the different emotions that come out of different glands and organs. Well, every fiber of muscle, every nerve strand, every bone, everything in your body has a different psycho-emotional content. Normally, that then gets secreted into your bloodstream, 
flows through your body, then through the limbic system of your brain because your gray matter doesn't have any blood. Right? The neurons don't have blood. The limbic system, which has the hypothalamus, is basically telling your pituitary how you feel. The master gland of the pituitary then responds and says all the glands and organs, do it this way because he feels like crap. This is how you're going to enter the world. You feel like this, feel like that. You go to a restaurant, what do you feel like? Oh, I don't know, I feel like... And that's just your body telling your hypothalamus, your hypothalamus telling your pituitary, your pituitary telling your stomach, your stomach telling your tongue, and your tongue telling the waiter <laughs> what it is you feel like eating. Oh, now that's not a good place to be in 2019. Because... You might feel like you've been overwhelmed by some things in your life and you need some blood. You need somebody to sacrifice for your bad feelings. So if you're not arguing with your friends, you're carving up a beefsteak, right? That's why that stuff happens. But if you're more conscious, which I'm sure you all are, you're not eating blood on a daily basis. What you're eating is what we were born to eat. Human beings are a plant-based animal. We're a herd animal. We're a community-based animal. We're a social animal. Right? The human being is a social animal, right? That's herds. There's also some carnivoric packs, but we're not a pack. We don't have the, any part of our body. We don't have the teeth. We don't have the digestive system to eat blood. Hmm? Enough said on that. Because I know I'm in a plant-based room. I like it. So what we end up with then is we end up with, let's reverse engineer all that. Let's tell our hypothalamus, no matter what our psycho-emotional process is, let's actually tell the hypothalamus how we feel. Hmm? How do we feel? Right? And out of your mouth comes your response. Ah, good ain't amazing. Sigad gure name, Sad gure name, Siri Guru Deve name. Are you okay? You're not moving. No, no, I didn't ask if you were all right. I know you're all right. I love you, man, but move. Thank you. That's a command. That means command. Two minds. We just had a command. Right? There is no such thing as one commanding another. We just had a meeting of the minds. Good. Here we go. Oh. Odd, good day, name. I'm watching you. To God, good day, name. Sad, good day, name. City, good day, name. Woo! <laughs> Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more. All the classes can be found now on gurusing.teachable.com. There's going to be long-form classes available there, 30-minute long yoga classes with Kriya. There's also what is called a Kundalini Recharge. It's a brief lecture about something like depression or gratitude or achievement or partnering or success. And it'll be a lecture with a pranayama, a breathing exercise, 
and a single asana that you can just jump into during the day and then it'll round out with an affirmation or meditation. And these will be like 11 minutes. And then there are also going to be audio files which are guided 11-minute meditations which you can listen to. And that's all within gurusing.com. Satnam.